Okay, Tom, and welcome back to our ongoing series of Shiriam on Daf Yomi. We are now on Daf Samach Dalad Amun Aleph of Masachet Yevamot, in the middle of the sixth parak, in the middle of the final Mishnah, although the uh, way that the Gemara is laid out is presented as a separate Mishnah. And this Mishnah and its tenant discussion go to Samachem Bet. And then the final piece of the Mishnah concludes the parak, and we will go all the way to the end of the parak in this podcast. Continuing on the theme of the mitzvah of Puravu, if a man is married to a woman for ten years, for Loyalda, and has no and she doesn't give birth, a no batel, he is not allowed to desist. Now it does not say that he has to divorce her, it just says he cannot desist from Puravu, which means he has to marry another woman. Gersha, uh, if he divorces her, she may marry another. It doesn't necessarily mean that she is unable to have, unable to have children. Um, and the other one also gets 10 years with her until he has to move forward. And if she miscarried, then you count 10 years from that point on. In other words, if she miscarried, you do not count that as child, obviously. But on the other hand, uh, you begin counting 10 years from that point on. Good. So now this Brita is more explicit than Mishnah. It says that he must divorce her and he must pay her the Ketubah, which is interesting because in almost every case where a man is forced to divorce his wife, he does not pay the Ketubah unless, of course, it's something that he's done wrong. Here it's a little bit different. Uh, because perhaps it was his lack of a schut. Maybe... She is able to have children, and he was the one who was, uh, shall we say, at fault. Now, this doesn't not, not refer to whose fault it is, but to the issue of ten years. We have an allusion to this, uh, which is at the in the middle of Parsha Lechlacha. We have the famous story about Sarah handing Hagar over to Avram, and it says that Sarah handed her over in, uh, after ten years in which they had lived in Eretz Canaan. And of course, they not had any children, and so she gave Hagar to Avraham. Uh, parenthetically, that also points out, by the way the text says, ten years after they lived in Eretz Canaan, to say that the ten years only starts from when they get to Eretz Canaan, and the time in Chutzlarts doesn't count, meaning in a circumstance in which there were external factors that would have kept them from having children. In this case, the fact that Hashem said, and when you get there to Israel, then I will make you a great nation. Therefore, on a practical level for us, let's say the man was sick, or she was sick, or they were imprisoned, and it was in some way in which they were not able to have normal relations. Those years or those months do not count towards the ten years. Now, so why are you inferring from Avram where it says 10 years? Why don't you learn it from Yitzchak? was 40 years old when he married Rivka and was 60 when the boys were born, which means you should be able to wait up till 20 years until, uh, until having to move on, as it were. So his answer is that Yitzchak himself was uh, incapable to, to have children until that point. So Yachi Avram Nami, so maybe Avram also that was the case, the ten years. So Akuraya. The answer is as follows. When it says Yitzchak ben Shishim Shana, 
it's not there to tell you that he waited 20 years. That's true, but that's not the purpose of the text. The purpose of the text is for something else, which is, is that there is a very long and elaborate calculation at the end of the first parak of Masachet Megillah, at the very end of the first parak, in which the fact that Yishmael lived to the age of 137 is only mentioned in the text in order to be able to understand how old Yaakov was when Yosef was born, how old Yaakov was when he married Rachel, etc., etc. Um, and that's all done by way of computation that's used because, A, we're told how old Yishmael was when he died, and second of all, because uh, we're told how old Yitzchak was when Yaakov was born. So Yitzchak being mentioned as 60 years old is not there to teach you how long you can wait with a woman who's not, having, uh, who's not giving birth, but rather for a separate reason. But when it says in the case of Avram that he took Hagar after 10 years, that's there. So why mention that if not to tell you that that is the maximum you should wait before trying to have children with someone else? But Yitzchak, Yitzchak Avinu Akuraya. So now we have some several tangential observations about Yitzchak and the Avot. It says Yitzchak himself was sterile. It says that Yitzchak Davin in the presence of his wife. I didn't say Davin about his wife. In her presence, meaning he was also in trouble. But they were both incapable of having a child. So if that's the case, why does it say that Hashem responded to him? Should it be Hashem responded to them? Because they had children. Because the Yitzchak was a tzaddik ben tzaddik, his tefillah was more accepted than the tefillah of Rivka, who was a tzaddiket, but her father, um, uh, Nahor, her father Betuel, is, um, is, is not. So why do we find so much barrenness among the Avot? We find that Sarah was, was barren, and Rivka was barren, and if you look carefully, Leah was barren, and Rachel was barren. Why? It's as if desires the tefillah tzadikim, so he puts them in a circumstance in which they're going to have to reach out to him with tefillah. So why is this word vayetar, which, which an etter is a pitchfork, why is the tefillah tzadikim compared to a pitchfork? Just like a pitchfork turns grain over from one place to another, Similarly, the Tfilav Tzadikim turns HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Midah from one of punishment to one of, cons- of, uh, of compassion. Rabbi Ami, Avram, and Sarah Tumtumin Hayu. We take a little further. Rabbi Ami says that Avram and Sarah are both Tumtumin, meaning that they were incapable uh, of having children. They were physically without uh, proper genitalia. There's in a passage in Yishayah, which is read in several weeks, is the, one of the Aftarot of Consolation. Right, so take a look at uh, Avraham and Sarah, who, as it were, were made into rocks and were made into, uh, into uh, uh, sort of as if I carved them one to a rock and one to a receptacle so that they would be able to have children. Good. 
She was an Ayolunit, as we already know what an Ayolunit is. Sarai Akara In Parshat Noah, at the end of Parshat Noah, when Sarai, Sarai is introduced, it says she was an Akara Ein Lavalad. Well, once she's an Akara, barren, we know she knows that have children. What does it mean, Ein Lavalad? I feel a bait Valad in that means she doesn't even have a womb. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu blessed her later on with the womb and the ability to have children. And now we go back to our halacha of 10 years. And Rav said, The 10 year shear is only in the ancient days when they had long, long lives. So 10 years is a, a 120th of a person's life. But in our lives, we live 50, 60, 70 years. We, have, we give two and a half years, and if the wife if she's not able to give birth, we move on. Put it together, that's three pregnancies. Two and a half years. Two and a half years is uh, is 30 months, which is roughly three pregnancies. Says you wait three years for three opportunities to be remembered. Sorry. That uh, after all, we have the famous quote that Sarah Rachel were all remembered on Rosh Hashanah. That's a sugi in Rosh Hashanah, in the first parak. And as a result of that, we say, good, so we're given three opportunities to be remembered and to be blessed, and if not, not. Now, this is all very difficult because our Mishnah, uh, which says 10 years, was not recorded in the times of Avram Avinu. None of these rules are, are true. Who established the Mishnah? Rebbe. Rabbi made David imuchani. The years were already diminished to a normal, what we would call a normal lifespan in the times of David. Truth is, if you look at that uh, pasuk, at the, that's a pasuk in Tehillim Tzadi, which is Tefillah Moshe. And it seems that Moshe Rabbeinu was the composer of that tefillah, and he says that our life is 70 or 80 years, and of course Moshe Rabbeinu living 120 years is considered to be an extraordinary long life. So uh, Moshe is living in a time already when uh, a normal lifespan is, what we consider a normal lifespan is the norm. And Rebbe came much, much later. In other words, don't assume that somewhere between Rebbe and Rav, in that one generation, suddenly the years got shorter. Baha'i, Shemelo Zachali sorry, so... So that means that the, we reject this uh, statement in the name of Rav. It says that now we limit it to two and a half or three years. But rather we stay with the ten years. Good. Now we go back to our Mishnah. It says, You said that uh, he has to give a ketubah because perhaps he's the one who was not Zohar. Maybe it's she. Maybe he shouldn't pay her the ketubah. And after all, it's Safei. Maybe she should have to prove that he was the one at fault before she can collect the tuba. She would not be punished in such a way because she's not commanded about Pirvirivya. This is a sugi we'll get to in the last leg of the Mishnah, which is on Samachem Bet, and we will see it in detail in a number of minutes in this podcast. Um, but since she is not commanded, a woman is not commanded regarding Pirvu, therefore she will not be held held accountable, and therefore there will not be a, a vehicle for punishing her. The Rabbanan said to this Rabbi Abba Barzavta, they say, he said, they said to him, you can have children, marry a woman and, get, and, and have children. 
And he said, if I had been worthy, then I would have had uh, children with my first wife. Evidently, his first wife died. So that means that he seems to be saying that it was because uh, she was not Zohar. So, Hatam dichui kamad chulu. There, he was really pushing them off. This is something we already saw in the previous podcast about Rav Sheshit. Rabbi Abba Razavda had become sterile and become impotent as a result of um, not going to the bathroom for an excessively long time and create, creating some sort of erratic stones or something um, uh, in, as part of the Shia of Ravuna that went on for a long time and he didn't leave. And now we have stories of several other Gedolim who have this problem. Rav Gidol, Yakam Pirkin Ravuna, Michal Yakam Pirkin Ravuna, Rav Sheshit, we already saw Yakam Pirkin Ravuna. So Rav Yaakov evidently had this, uh, this, some sort of a stones. They hung him up on a cedar tree outside of Beirav. And somehow some sort of green emission came out from him, which means, I guess, that, that they caught him in time. We were 60 elders. Kulu Yaakov Pirkei Ravuna. All of us became impotent as a result of Ravuna's shiur. Levar Me'ana. I'm the only one who got away. I fulfilled within myself the pasuk that says wisdom will keep its masters alive. I was wise enough to know that if I wasn't doing well, I should take care of it. And either it means that he would go out when necessary to use the bathroom, or else it referring to this one case where they he called attention to his plight. And they um, and they saved him in time with the story with the tree. Okay, the Mishnah said Gersha Muteret. So it said that Muteret lina Selacher. That means that if a man is married to a woman for ten years, doesn't have a child, and he divorces her, she may marry another. And we don't say that this woman is now not marriageable or should not marry somebody unless that person already has kids. Sheni in Shlishilo. So the way that the Mishnah presented it is it only went one gen- one marriage beyond, meaning she could marry a second time didn't mention a third time. We assume that means that that's the limits. So who is our Mishnah? We have the famous Machloket about Machazaka. If a woman gave birth and ended on one kid and the kid died because of the Mila, and then did the same with the second child and he died, she should not do the third child. Gamliel famously disagrees. It says only when there are three children who have died of Brit Milah do we then say this family clearly is a hemophiliac family or has some other problem, and therefore, um, therefore you do not uh, you do not go ahead. So Rebbe is the one who authors the notion that once something has happened twice, it already indicates a pattern of danger, and we don't continue with it. Therefore, the same notion here, if a woman is married to two different men, and over the course of ten years, uh, all other circumstances being uh, favorable, she does not have children, it indicates she's really sterile and should not marry somebody unless that person already has fulfilled Puravu. Ay, Vatanya, Yipcha, we have a Brayta that has the opposite positions, that Rebbe says three, and Rameshim Gamliel says two. So the question is, so let's see which one is the later teaching that has the, um, the proper stamp of um, canonization on it. We have a story. There were four sisters who lived in Sipori. The first one had a child. The child had died at Mila. The second the sister, then the third sister. 
The fourth came to Mishim Gamliel. Amarla Altamuli. He told her, don't do Brit Milah. So it sounds like Mishim Gamliel does have the position that we originally espoused of him, which is that three times established the Chazaka. Uh, maybe if the third one had come, he would have said the same thing. Then what's Rechia Baraba testifying about in this story? If, uh, if, if really Mishim Gamliel would have said the same thing the third time, so why is he telling us the story? So maybe he's telling it for a different reason, not to tell us the number of times, but to tell us that there is a genetic association between the relationship between the mothers. It's not just one mother having several children, and one child dies, another child dies, which means it's the male and female chromosomes connecting that created this blood deficiency, but rather it's among sisters. Now that you've said that sisters really have this chazakam, a person should not marry a family uh, of uh, somebody from a family where there is a genetic disease in the family, a disease in the family like epilepsy and nichpin or leprosy, because the notion is that there is, I mean, this is kind of the discovery of, uh, of, um, of inherited characteristics. But for this we say, it's only if there's three members of the family who have demonstrated that they have this disease. Now, my Havela, what's the Psaq? Yochanan himself was in Ma'on, in the, in the Beit Knesset. Anyom Kippur, that was on a Shabbos. Umala Rishona Umeit, that's a case where a woman had given birth before, and the, her, her first child had died in the Mila. The third child, the Brit, was scheduled for Yom Kippur, which was a Shabbos, uh, in the Knishta de Ma'on. And Rabbi Yochanan said, do the Brit Milah. Which makes it sound as if we do uh, not establish a pattern, until, accept a pattern until there's three. So Amarle Abayah, so Abayah said, Chazu de Kesharit Yisura Visakonta. So Abayah says, I hear from this story that Rabbi Yochanan was matir both an Isur, which is Brit Milah, Shalom Mokam Mitzvah, on Shabbos, it's Kippur, and also the Sakana. So Machala Abayah, so Abayah relied on this. V'azal Naspa Lachoma Barta de Isi Bereder of Yitzchak, Bereder of Yehuda. And so he went and married this girl named Choma, who was the daughter of Isi. The uh, who was uh, the grandson of Rav Yehuda, the Naspa Rachva de Pumbadita, first Rachva of Pumbadita married her, Vishachiv, and then died. Rav Yitzchak bereid Rav Rachana Vishachiv, and then Rav Yitzchak, or Rav Rachana's son, married her, and then he died. The Naspa who, and Abaye then married her, based on the notion, that he, where he's based on the story, that Rav Yochanan said the Chazaka of danger is only established with three times, and this woman had not killed three husbands, as it were. And by the way, Abayah also died. So Amarava says, why would somebody behave this way on their own? After all, Abayah is the one who said, I trust the stories of Rabbi Yochanan that I hear from Rabbi Avin, but not from Rabbi Yitzchak the Red. That's Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef who, who, tells, who quotes the story here. Um, Yitzchak uh, Yosef, right? Um, There's several ways to understand this. 
simplest way is that Rabbi Avin is always around Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, so if he changes his mind, Rabbi Avin will find out the final resolution. Whereas Rabbi Yitzchak is not around as often, therefore if Rabbi Yochanan changes his mind, Rabbi Yitzchak won't hear about it, and he'll only hear one piece of it. The other one is that Rabbi Avin would chazer over and make sure to, that his Torah was tight. Rabbi Yitzchak wasn't. In any case, Abai himself said, I shouldn't rely on, on Rabbi Yitzchak, and here he did, and as a very, very result, it cost him his life. Besides that, Amar depligi le'inan mila. Maybe the machlokat Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Rabbi is only about prit milah. Binisuin mipligi. Who says that they disagree about marriage? Maybe they all agree that once a woman has uh, outlived two husbands, that already indicates that she uh, there's something something about her which kills her husbands. In uh, yes, the machlokat does exist there. As far as that's concerned, about Tanya. So we see the same exact machloket between Rabbi Mishim Gamliel about marrying a woman who has uh, become, uh, shall we say, the merry widow, and uh, as opposed to, uh, or shall we say, the constant widow. Uh, the same exact machloket as we have about doing Brit Milah on a child who's had brothers die of, of uh, excessive bleeding. Now, I understand how you could have such a, a circumstance where a particular family has a tendency to bleed a lot. Uh, Rafi Dhamma and Kamit Dhamma, literally the blood is loose or the blood is constricted. You have a family where the nature of blood, the physical characteristics of the blood, are loose and therefore they don't clot well, and I can understand why there would be a pattern of death. Well, then he's suing my time. Well, why would it be that a woman's, uh, unless she's a murderer, which we're not claiming, why would it be that a, uh, there'd be any pattern established? What, what's the science behind it? He claims that, the, uh, that the, the argument here is there's something in the womb that is causing a disease. In other words, the woman has some sort of a uh, terrible disease that she herself is not affected by, but she's a carrier of. Rashi Amar Mazal Goreh. Rashi says, no, it's simply bad fortune. So my benai, what's the difference? Ikeminayu, the irsa umate. If a woman was only betrothed and then the husband died, and you can't say it's anything physical because they didn't have relations. So there you could say it's mazal. Inami dunafomidikla umate, or the guy fell off a tree and died. In other words, he didn't die from some disease that he caught from her, but from some accident. Then if it happens several times and you claim it's a pattern, it can only be if it's some sort of fortune as opposed to something physical. Amar of Yosef prayed to Rava, the Rava. Va'iminemer of Yosef, halacha kareb. I asked Rav Yosef whether halacha is kareb. Marli in. He said yes. So the pattern's established after two times. Halacha karash bag v'marli in. I said is halacha karash bag, and he said yes, it is. Pattern's established after three times. Achuchi achichbi. And I, in I think he was laughing at me. He was making me sporting with me because he's telling me Allah is like X and Allah is not X. He said no, he's not laughing at you. It's simply that there are unattributed mishnayot. In some cases the Allah is like Rebbe. In some cases the Allah is like Rebbe. So it's simply nisunu malkiot kerebi. The case of nisun, a marriage, and makot. We'll see what that is are like Rebbe, so after two times a pattern is established. Vestot, Vishorhamuad, Vestot, which is menstrual patterns, and Shorhamuad, we'll talk about that in a moment, Kei Therefore, there we hold that it's established with three. And we have simply 
stam mishnayot that support the idea. So, for instance, nisuin hadamran. Nisuin is our mishnah. Our mishnah says that she can marry again, but not a third time. Malkiot nan mishal akav shana betin kotsinoto lekipar machinoto sorim shtekrisoni v'kad. Uh, the case of the Malkiot is if somebody gets Makot for particular kind of crimes and he gets it again, then um, we don't give, continue to give him Makot. After the second time, the third time that he's convicted, we put him into some sort of a prison and we feed him the kind of food that's going to uh, cause him to explode. Uh, we'll get to that in Sanhedrin. And then, um, and then we feed him the, this barley and uh, his stomach explodes. In other words, we execute him without formally executing. That's after two times. Vestot. What's the veset? The a, a menstrual pattern. The nun. Eina yisha kovat la veset. Achitik bana shalosh peamim. Veset is established, being every thirty days, or every twenty-nine days, or always the fifteenth of the month, whatever the shear is. There's all sugya vestot in uh, in uh, in nida. Um, it also shows up in, in Bavakama in the context of shoramuad. Achitik bana shalosh peamim. She needs to have three times. Uh, of it's established the pattern. And to disassociate from the veset, she has to have three times in which the veset did not appear, the, the blood did not flow at that time. That a an ox that is considered to be a goring ox, and therefore one that the, the owner has full responsibility for and should have watched, is only established when he is gored three times. Okay? Good. So let's say she married a guy and had no kids. Ten years later, she marries now a second time, has no kids. So the third husband must be somebody who already has fulfilled Puruvu. That, that's fine. She hasn't killed anybody. She just can't have kids. Let's say she married somebody who did not have kids. Then we tell him he should divorce her without a ketubah, because she's already been demonstrated, behold like Rebbe here, to not be capable of having kids. And he should go marry somebody else. Let's say she marries a third guy and lives with him ten years and has no kids. Can the first two guys now come back and claim the Ketubah back, because they paid her a Ketubah based on the notion maybe they were at fault. And now that we see that even with the third husband, she can't have kids, clearly she's the one who's not capable. Um, can they say, we now see retroactively, or retrospectively, that you're the one who was not capable of having kids? Or could she turn around and say, you know what, I was perfectly capable, you weren't capable. And now I'm, I'm old, or I'm, now I've suddenly gotten weak. Gumar doesn't really give an argument behind it. It says it's reasonable that she should be able to say that my, it's my, my new circumstance that causes me not to be able to have kids. I was married to you, I was able to, and you weren't able to. All right, good. Now, second question. Let's say she married a fourth guy. She married three guys, ten years each, no kids. Married a fourth guy and had kids with him. Can she turn around to the third guy and say, um, uh, uh, she can turn around to the third guy and say, I want my Tuba now, because it's clear that I am capable of having two children. 
The answer is, The third guy is going to turn around and say, You better be quiet. Your silence is better than you're saying anything. Why? I could say to you, I never divorced you based on the notion you were capable of having kids, which means I could invalidate the divorce, and now these kids will be mamzerim, and it will really, really be a bad situation. So wait a second. Even if she's silent, we still know what's going on. Why are we silent? It's We know that the third husband divorced her because we told him to because she couldn't have kids. And now that she has kids, it should be that that divorce is invalid. The answer is that what we assume here is that everything was exactly the way we said. She didn't have kids in the first two. We don't know what the status is. When she marries the third who doesn't have kids, she has to divorce her because the assumption is she can't have kids. And she marries a fourth, and we'll assume on the up and up, it was a man who already had kids, and he married her, and suddenly she has kids. We assume that now suddenly she healed and was able to have children, and indeed when she was married to the third, it was inappropriate, and he divorced her properly. Good. Now, who amar Let's say that you have this couple that's first time, first, uh, the, the, the first marriage, and he says, you're the reason we can't have kids, and she says, you're the reason. So this is before we have the ability to do all sorts of testing. When it comes to anything that's intimate between the two of them, we believe her. Why? She has a better physical awareness about whether his semen is really ejaculating, uh, shall we say, is shooting like an arrow, which is what's necessary. He doesn't have the same expertise. Now, he says, I'll prove to you that I'm virile. I'll go marry somebody else and have kids with her, and you'll see that it's not me. Rabbi Ami says, I believe that in such a case, he has to divorce this first wife and give her a Because I claim that any time that a man marries a second wife, he has to divorce his first wife and pay her the tuba. Rabbi did not allow for polygamy. Rabbi disagrees. He says, no, you can marry more women. As long as you have enough money to support them. Now, let's go to another case. He turns around to the woman and says, You miscarried during the ten years. She says, I didn't miscarry. In other words, it's been ten years, I haven't had a kid, and you should divorce me and give the ketubah. And he says, No, I don't have to divorce you, and you did miscarry, and we should recount. She's believed here also. Why? Because if it's true that she really did miscarry, she wouldn't want to claim she didn't. She doesn't want to establish herself as a barren woman. She'd rather establish herself as somebody who was capable of becoming pregnant and then uh, miscarried. Let's say that she had several miscarriages. Now she's muhzak to have nefalim. With this husband, who amar afila So if he claims she had two miscarriages and they should stay married, she says no, it was three. So Rabbi Yitzchak says there was a case that happened in the base Medrash, and we and we trusted her. True that she had not miscarried, she would not want to establish herself as someone who miscarries, and therefore. Uh, would not um, would not claim that I miscarried three times. If she does say I miscarried three times, then she's putting herself in a deficient position, and therefore that is her credibility. And now we move on to the final leg of the Mishnah.
Ha'ish mitzvah al-piri of rivya v'lo ha'isha. According to Chachamim, only men are chayiv and pruravu, not women. Yochem Bruko omer, al shnehem omer, v'yvarach otam Elohim, v'yomer lahem Elohim, pruravu. Yochem Bruko points out that the pasuk, the key pasuk about this, which is uh, pasuk number eight on the page, says God blessed them and said to them in the plural, pruravu. So good. Now, menahani mili. So what's the reason for the Chacham saying only men are chayiv? Because the text says, have children, and fill the land, and conquer it. It's only uh, the, it's in the purview of, uh, of the males to go out and conquer the land, not the women. So the Gemara says, no, it's the opposite, because the text says, you in the plural shall conquer it. That's male and female. Take a look at it. It's written chaser without a vav, and therefore we should read it as a v'chavsha. You conquer it singular. Yosef had a different pasuk. Ani el shadai pray urve. When God speaks to Yaakov, he says pray urve in the singular, not pruervu, as if not to include Rachel and Leah in that mitzvah, but rather just Yaakov. Look on our proof. Now, back to Rabbi Ila, quoting Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Ila, by the way, is the father of Rabbi Yehuda, and he's quoting Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Shimon, who was the son of the same famous Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Ila, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Shimon, Keshem Shemitzvah Adam Lamar Devar Yishmab. So we have now other sayings of his which are not related to the topic, but just the same tradition. Just like it's a mitzvah for a person to rebuke and to say something that will be received, Kach Mitzvah Adam Shlolamar Devar Sheinon Yishmab. You should also keep silent if it's something that won't be received. Very important principle of rebuke. Biaba Merchova. Biaba says that it's an obligation to uh, to avoid giving rebuke where it won't be received. Do not give rebuke to a scorner because he will just hate you. If you give rebuke to a chacham, he will indeed love you. Again, again the same tradition. You're allowed to uh, stretch the truth a little bit. In order to keep peace, if you take a look at the Pesukim, which is Pasuk number 11 on the page, the brothers come to Yosef after the funeral of Yaakov, and they say, Father commanded us to come to you and say, you shouldn't hold any grudge against us. Now, Father, we have no record of Yaakov ever saying that. So they stretch the truth a little bit to keep peace. Renatan says it's not just acceptable, it's a mitzvah to change the reality a little bit, to, to lie a little bit, to what we might call a white lie, or bending the truth, in order to keep tranquility. Very briefly, after Shaul got his pink slip from God in Perak Tedvav, after the, his failure against Amalek, God said to Shmuel, go to Beit Lechem, one of the sons of Yishai will be the next king, and you will anoint him. And Shaul, Shmuel says, I'm afraid to go, because if Shaul hears I'm going, he will kill me. God does not say, I told you to go, and therefore uh, go and don't be afraid, or go and risk your life. Uh, rather, God gives him a cover story, and the cover story is take an animal, and go say in Beit Lachem that you're bringing it as a korban, and then if Shaul hears that you want to bring a korban, he's not going to be upset. Um, Rabbi Shmuel says, peace is so important that even God lied to keep peace. When when the Malachim turned to Sarah, uh, 
So when they told Avram that Sarah's going to have a kid, she laughed. And what did she laugh? She said that I am old. After I am old, withered, I'm suddenly going to have youth and freshness. And my master, meaning Avram, is old. And then when God turns to Sarah, he says, well, turns to Avram, he says, why did Sarah laugh saying she's old? And he left out the part about Avram, Sarah saying that he's old. In other words, he didn't want Avram to know that Sarah was also accusing Avram of, of, of being too old to have children. So, so Rabbi Yochum Bruka said both of them are commanded. So between the first generation of Moraim of Eretz Yisrael. So the machloket about whether we rule that women are chayav and puravu. We should assume that Rabbi Yochanan said that we do not follow Rabbi Yochanan and Brooklyn, women are not chayav. Rabbi Avahu, who by the way, remember, was a uh, close friend of the governor, the Roman governor in Judea, seated in Caesarea, that'll be a Caesarea, that's an important part of the story, the Karmish made Rabbi Yochanan, he quoted Rabbi Yochanan, saying, Halacha. He said, Halacha is a Rabbi Yochanan Bruka. Rajvin Rabbi Yamir Rabbi Yasa Lapayu. Rabbi Yamir Rabbi the closest students of Rabbi Yochanan, turned their face away. As if to say, we, uh, that we know that's not true. The Ikadam Rabbi Chia Barabba Rabbin Rabbi Yamir Rabbi Yasa Same story with Rabbi Chia Barabba. Rabbi Chia Barabba was not somebody who held the same stature. Amar Papa. So Papa in Bavel, several generations later, analyzing the two versions of the story, says, I, I, I buy the story that Rabbi Avahu was the one who said it. So Rabbi Yassi did not want to violate the honor, perhaps incur the wrath, of the Roman governor, and therefore they didn't say anything to Rabbi Avahu, they just turned their backs. So, but if it's Rabbi Avahu who said it, then why didn't they just turn around and say, you're wrong? Rabbi Yochanan never said this. No, in any case, that seems to support the, the story, the version that the story happened with Rabbi Chia Barab. My, I'm sorry, with Rabbi Avot. My Havi Allah, so Sof Sof, what's the Psaq? Rabbi Yochanan was in the Beit Knesset in Kesaria. A woman came and said, uh, I don't have any kids. I want to uh, marry somebody else. And she asked to have the husband forced. And Rabbi Yochanan said, he forced him and he has to pay the ketubah. That seems to indicate that the woman is also chayav. She says, I want to fulfill the mitzvah. And I can't because he won't give me kids. If she's not commanded, then why is she going to get ketubah? He could say to her, look, stay with the husband. You're not commanded to have kids. Don't have kids. Or if you want a kid, so leave. But you're not going to get a ketubah. Maybe she had another claim, like the following story. She came to Rabbi Yami, a woman. She said, I want to get divorced, and I want the Ketubah so I can marry somebody else. By the way, having the Ketubah is, as we said in several times, Vishumchina is going to make her attractive to somebody else. Rabbi Yami said, go, you're not, you're not commanded in Puravu. What's going to Allah What's going to happen in my old age? Who's going to take care of me? And he said, oh, you got a good, you got a good claim. In such a, in such a case, nobody's going to take care of this woman in her old age. The husband's not giving her children, so the husband has to divorce her with a kubas. So she can marry. There's a woman who came to Rav Nachman. Again, she wanted to get divorced. He said, you're not commanded in Puravu. 
Don't I need a staff for my old age and a shovel to bury me? In other words, I need children to take care of me. And in such a case, we do force. Good. Now, Yehuda v'chezkiya tomim hayu. These two boys were twins. One was fully formed at the end of nine months. The other one was formed at the beginning of the seven, seven months, seventh month. So now the mother suffered terribly as a result. She had terrible tsar leida. She was Rebchia's wife. She changed her clothes. She disguised herself and came before her own husband with a shayla. She said, is a woman chayven piri v'rivya? Amar la, lo. He said, no. Azla asama da akarta. So she went and drank some sort of an elixir that caused her to become sterile. So things came to the light. Amar la, iku li chana karsa achrita. I wish she would have at least given me one more child. Because we have a tradition that Yehud uh, and Chizkia are brothers, and Pazi and Tavi are twin sisters. All right. So he had, in other words, every time she gave birth, she gave birth to two. He said, I wish I would have had at least one more birth with her before she sterilized herself. Velo um, Mifkedi? Are they really women not commanded in There's a story about a woman who was a half shifcha They forced the one who owned half of her to free her so she could be a batchorin, so she could marry. Now we do say that in the context of an evet, the famous Mishnah about kofin et rabo mosoto ben chorin. So then he can fulfill the mitzvah puravu. Why do we say it in the case of a woman if she's not commanded? Because she was unable to be married, so people were molesting her and, and abusing her, etc. And she was sort of fair game. Therefore, the Beitin forced the man who owned half of her to free her so that she indeed could go ahead and marry and live a proper life. Not because she was necessarily commanded about puravu. Good. Hadran Allah Chabal Yivim Tov. Baruch Hashem, we have finished the sixth parak. And Yetz Hashem, in the next podcast, we will begin the seventh parak. Everyone should have a wonderful day.